It is good to be with you this morning. It was a huge honor for the pastor to ask me to join him in bringing this series, Rhythms of Revival. It's a privilege to be a part of CIU. Uh, Stallion, stand up, please. Um, Stallion's one of our grads. Phil Miller, uh, his son Trevor Miller is one of our grads. Uh, Grace Marie Ward, she's one of our graduates. Uh, Where'd Melody go? Melody said she's going to start taking courses there. Um, <clears throat> what did you make in my class? <laughs> I remember you were 18 years old when you came to my, how old are you now? 33, okay, it's 15 years ago. Uh, it's before I became president. He came sauntering in, he said, my name is Daniel Stephanus. I say Stephanus, he says Stephanus, I, he pronounces it incorrectly. <laughs> he said, but <clears throat> people call me Stallion because I'm from Italy. I'm the real Italian Stallion. <laughs> I said, may I? I said, well, well, thank you. I'm glad you're in my class. From now on, we're going to call you Pony Boy. <laughs> so it began an escalation of tit for tat. And <clears throat> so one day I said, you know, we kind of need to cap it here because I, I think one time I, it was a big auditorium class. And when I got up to teach, there was music that came on from heaven, I guess, and um, it was just, it was a riot. So I thought, this might get out of control and I'll get fired. So the next class, I brought a gift, it was wrapped, and I said, and I brought him up from the class, I said, you know, from now on, I'm going to call you Stallion. And here's a gift, it's a peace offering. But I don't want the other students to get jealous. And there are 100 kids in the class. I said, I don't want the other students to get jealous. I want you to open this in private, knowing after class, he's going to race to his dorm and call all of his buddies together as he opened up the gift. Am I? <laughs> so he got all of his buddies in your dorm room, and he opened up the package. And I had my sweetheart, she's also my wife, I had, I had Debbie go by, you men won't remember this, do you remember the, uh, the little ponies with the long hair that you, and so there was a package of this pink pony with purple hair, and it said, you will always be pony boy to me. <laughs> Well, enough horsing around. Let's get to. <clears throat> Pastor said, we want to have this series. It's on rhythms of revival. And I want you to come the first service, and I want you to share, you know, what is revival? And he's, he's doing the same thing in the other, the other service, the other venue. And, and so my definition of revival is very simple. And the pastor over the next three weeks, he's going to elaborate but my definition of revival is, Holy Spirit, would you have your way in me and through me? It's real simple. And when that happens corporately, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit, would you have your way in me 
And Holy Spirit, would you have your way through me? And there's a passage of Scripture that illustrates this, and I want you to turn there, please. It's Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And you know this story. It's the famous story of the Ethiopian official that had been to Jerusalem. He had been worshiping. And and now he's leaving Jerusalem, going back to Ethiopia, and he passes Philip on the road. So let me read the passage to you. But verse 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and he went. And there was this Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And as he, the Ethiopian, was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Don't know how many chariots went by him at that point that day, but join this chariot. So Philip ran. He ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. It's from Isaiah. It says, he is speaking of the Messiah that would would come. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. So the Ethiopian answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture in Isaiah, he began to preach or communicate Jesus to him. So they went along the road, and they came to some water, and the, and the Ethiopian said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, this next verse is in brackets in some of your versions. So, uh, actually, the NIV puts it in the margin. Verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This passage became alive to me two years ago on Mother's Day. Now, we have four married children. Actually, our son-in-law was on staff here for several years, Matt Dinsky. And you remember Matt, some of you? Um, I don't love him anymore because he took my daughter, our daughter, and our two grandbabies and moved to Greenville. <laughs> so he's no longer in the will, but it's um, <clears throat> not much there anyway, but so <clears throat> We have four married children, eight grandchildren. So Mother's Day, it's a big deal at our house. So instead of going to the third service and sitting, we sit, what's your name? Brad. Brad? We sit behind you. Um, what's his name? 
Dan, you're in our seat, actually. <laughs> and that's where we normally sit, third service. But because we had to get somewhere for this big celebration, we went to the second service and sat in the back so we could get out very quickly because we tend to talk a lot. But that was already taken, so we had to go all the way, different service, different front and back, different side. We're back here in the back. We found two seats. Actually, there were three or four. The service started, got dark. It's a contemporary service. The beat of the bass was pounding against my chest. But I had enough awareness to realize a young professional, African-American man, just passed me coming down the aisle. And actually, he's here this morning. And I've asked him to help me try to bring this passage to life so we can understand a little bit more about what it means for the Holy Spirit for, to be revived, for the Holy Spirit to have His way in us and through us. So would you welcome, please, this morning, Solon Flowers. Solon, come up here, please, sir. Thank you. Now, as I'm sitting in the back and he walks up, I watch him come up to the third row, one, two, three, all the way to the end. Actually, the lady in the red dress where you two are sitting. You introduced yourself to me, didn't you? Not Sam. What was your name? No, Sam. Yeah. I know Elizabeth's not named Sam. Is it Sam? Okay. Sam, what is your name? Sam. Got it. All right. <clears throat> Feel like I'm back teaching class again. And <clears throat> so, Solon walks by, and I see him go and sits right where Sam's sitting. Now, look at, look at verse Look at verse 29. It says, And the Spirit said to Philip. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. Now, there are a lot of words we could use when the Holy Spirit does something in our lives. He spoke to me. That's very common. I like, I prefer to say, He prompted me. He impressed me. He led me. But this, this passage says, He spoke to him. Now, it wasn't audible when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It was louder than that. You follow me? Has he ever done that in your heart? He says, get up, just like he did Philip. Get up and go invite this young man who's by himself to come back and sit with me and Debbie. That's weird, right? By, by the way, welcome. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. What were you doing in church that morning? What most people do in church, I guess. Going to church? No. Um, no, I had uh, the night, uh, well, I shouldn't even say the night, but um, the events leading up to that had led me to a place where um, I felt like I had come back to church uh, almost out of desperation. Um, the events leading up to that, I had been going through a lot in my personal life, uh, work life, uh, pretty much any and every aspect of my life that you could evaluate was uh, in turmoil. And so um, the evening prior, I was, uh, 
I was outside. I was at my dad's house where I was staying as my wife and I were, um, you know, in the middle of a separation, entering into divorce. Um, and I found myself on the tailgate of his truck um, in the middle of the rain um, in this suit. This, Same suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I should put a disclaimer out there. I did get it dry cleaned. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I was outside just uh, really trying to understand better what was going on. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around the things happening in my life. I, you know, the best way to describe it was I was, you know, feeling just an overwhelming sense of hurt and uh, shame and um, I was afraid uh, for what the future of my family uh, might look like. Um, I felt very alone. So that morning, I felt like I had no place that I could be other than to be at church. And the day before, as you're standing in the rain, you were having some pretty dangerous thoughts, weren't you? Yeah. Um, it's a difficult place to be when you um, aren't sure your purpose um, and if God actually has a plan for you, um, you individually. And so I was uh, trying to grapple with uh, whether life was really uh, worth living. Your family was falling apart. Finances. Your health, which was probably a, just a symptom of everything else. Verse 30 says, Philip ran up. I don't know how long, it doesn't say whether he hesitated, whether he kind of weighed his options, but Philip obeyed there in chapter 8. That morning, that Mother's Day morning, the Holy Spirit's prompting me, get up and go invite him to come back and sit with you and Debbie. I didn't run up. I stood there a little agitated. Is this, is this really God prompting my heart? But I turned to them and said, I'll be right back. I went back behind the pew, up the side, and it was to my right, but I reached in, put my arm around Solon, got, because it's real loud music, got right in his ear. I mean, it's, it's a little awkward when you don't know the person. You know, you're doing this. No comments. And I said, I don't know if you're a first-time visitor or a long-term member. Because, you know, when you have three services and you're separated, there's just people maybe in church for years, you just haven't had a chance to meet them. I said, but if you're by yourself and you'd like to come sit with someone, my wife and I are in the back. Um, what were you thinking when I said that? You know, I might have been evaluating which church I chose to go to that Sunday. Um, no, no, no. Um, I was, uh, what, what Dr. Jones couldn't have known um, was that I was, uh, I was in my spirit, I was praying. And when I say in my spirit, I mean, it was a very dead spirit. But um, I was praying as, as rigorously and relentlessly as one could in that moment, just uh, praying that if, uh, if God was really there and God really loved me, um, that 
he might show me that he loved me, that he might show me that he heard me. And so I was begging that God would hear me in that very, very moment and that he would show up right then. Um, and I remember saying to myself, God, I need you to show up right now, not, not tomorrow, not next week. Like I need to know right in this very minute. Um, and all of a sudden I felt this arm come around me and uh, you could imagine my body just kind of froze and I probably became very pale. I blended well at the time. Um, <laughs> sorry. Not, um, I, I get it. I, I became pale and cold, and uh, then he began speaking in my ear. And wow, um, you his, want to talk his about eyes, shock? His eyes got this big. I mean, can you imagine, Lord? I need to feel your touch right now. Y'all, I thought I was going. I was like, this is it. <laughs> I, I wish I'd had the presence of mind when he later asked me my name, and I would have said, Gabriel. <laughs> so he followed me like a zombie back to, I mean, it was just, because I didn't know what he had just prayed. And he didn't tell me that until later. So we sit back in the, next to Deb again. Second song, Solon leans over and he says, I came to church this morning because my life's falling apart. I need God to put it back together again. What he's saying is, God, revive me. Do something in my life. I said, we need to get together for lunch. So a few days later, we met for lunch. Look again in verse 30 says, the Spirit said to Philip, um, excuse me, verse 30, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? <clears throat> Often as the Holy Spirit works through us, we put the pressure on ourselves, what do I tell somebody? You don't need to do as much talking, as much asking and listening. So we finally get together Solon and I for lunch, and I asked him a question. Do you remember the question I asked? Um, yeah, so he asked me if I was a, if I believed first that I had a relationship with the Lord, and I kind of fumbled around that, and then he said, well, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, and he said, well, are you a cultural or a biblical Christian? And I remember thinking to myself, well, I mean, I've I know. I mean, I've been to church a bit. I probably didn't listen as much as I should have, but I didn't know there was a difference. And so at first I started feeling a bit offended um, by what he was saying to me. And then I realized that really there was more, there was much more to that. It was a deeper conviction and trying to understand, was I really just going through the motions of, you know, it was comfortable to say, Hey, I'm a Christian. Cause I'm not going to tell him I'm not. And I definitely wasn't, you know, anything but a Christian, I thought. Um, but I, what I didn't understand was whether or not, or what I didn't um, truly under, or truly uh, have a great grasp of, was whether or not I truly had a biblical relationship where I was allowing God's word to actually speak into my life. <clears throat> Just like the Ethiopian, right? He was coming from church. He was reading his Bible. And I've met so many people 
three, three weeks ago, I was with a friend and I met an 81-year-old lady at McAllister's. She'd gone to church for eight decades. And I asked her, do you have a personal relationship with God or are you still in the process? She says, I'm in the process. Gone to church, read the Scripture. Explained to her how she could cross over and become a biblical Christian, which is a relationship. It's not a religion. And she accepted Christ. Night before last, she said, first I gave her, I said, I want you to read the book of 1 John, one chapter a day. The next day she texted me, she said, I finished 1 John, what do I read next? So, okay, read the Gospel of John, one chapter a day. A couple days later, she said, all right, I finished John, what do I read next? So, I said, well, <laughs> I'm getting tired. <laughs> I said, I want you to read Psalms. So, a couple weeks later, night before last, she says, I finished Psalms, what to read next? The Scriptures have come alive because she has a relationship with God. So, verse 35. So, when I asked Saul in that question, it moved us into a different kind of conversation. The same thing happened here in chapter 8. Verse 35, then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. He communicated, here's how you have a real relationship with God. So, when we met together for lunch, after talking about where are you, and both of us really sensing, it's more of a cultural um, relationship. It's not a biblical relationship. Then I took a napkin, and I think we have a picture. Uh, I, I went to Georgia Tech and did not study art, okay? But I took this napkin, and I, I said, every spiritual journey has three parts to it. There's a seeking for God. Now, we don't know God is Jesus Christ, at that point. But, but, but in here, there's a seeking for Christ. There's a crossing over into a personal relationship with Christ. Then there's a growing in that relationship with Christ. And so, I drew out, I said, you know, when you're a young child, you, you're kind of moving that direction because your parents are taking you to church. You get to high school, college, you kind of turn around and start doing your own thing. And there are times in your life where you feel like you're going in circles. But there comes a point where God begins to orchestrate a series of events, bringing us, uh, perhaps different people into your life. You become aware of a different kind of vocabulary, even though you've heard it for years, it's suddenly becoming alive to you, and you're thinking, there's something more. There's something I'm missing. And then you hear the good news of God's love and forgiveness, and, and then we invite Christ to come take over our lives, and we cross over instantly into this personal relationship with God, and then we begin to grow spiritually. The ups and downs there we were talking about, you still blow it, you're not perfect, but you don't blow it as frequently over time. It's, it's you walk for longer periods in obedience, and you don't blow it as intensely. It's, it, 
smooths out because you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And after Sol and I talked about this napkin, we took another napkin and said, um, the writing didn't get any better, but I said this verse, not Isaiah, I used this verse, John 3, 16, because it summarizes the whole Bible. Four, four simple statements, up, down, up, down. God's purpose, He loves us and wants a personal relationship. Man's problem, we've blown it. And that separates us from God's love and forgiveness. Then God's remedy, He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our disobedience because we can't pay for it. And then we can pay for it, but it's, it's eternity separated from God. And then down, man's response. We must invite Christ to come in and forget. We must receive what he's offering. So we went over this, and I said, where would you put yourself on this diagram? He said, well, I'm over here, but I'm wanting to get over here. And I asked, is there anything keeping you from doing that right now? Let me stop there before I get ahead of myself. So what's going on in your head at that lunch and your heart? Uh, first, that there's a Staples down the road and they sell notepads. Um, we no. burned up some napkins. <laughs> no, um, I... I think I, you know, I, I really was evaluating yet again just, uh, you know, so obviously where was I at on, in relation to having a true relationship um, with the Lord. But even more so, I would share this, is that, you know, I think there was this, um, mm, so the image um, that, I was, that, I was, that I was displaying at the time um, felt very offended um, because the image that I had put off for a while and, um, you know, thought was okay was that, yeah, I was a Christian, um, but the internal, the, the true internals weren't necessarily matching uh, this image of an outward Christian. I didn't, I didn't understand what it was like to have God truly um, just wreck my heart and start turning it towards Him. And so, um, what was going on with me was really more of, I was questioning um, was I truly there? Like, did I, did I truly have this clear sense of, yes, the Lord and I have a relationship in which I understand and know him intimately. Mm -hmm. Good, um, good. So I was, I was being convicted um, deeply at that time. Verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, So, I invited him to cross over, but he said, I'm not ready. So, he went home that night, and what happened that night? I said, do I ever want to have lunch with that guy again? No. I, I said, he's not too bad. Um, and I, I went home and uh, decided that if I couldn't give myself a clear answer on whether or not I had a real relationship with mm, the Lord, um, which I knew the answer to. I, I just was having a hard time admitting, um, admitting that I had been going so long through the motions um, and decided that night that I was truly going to 
uh, relinquished control of my life uh, because I had, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd ruined all kinds of things, you know, put it in my control and I'll, I'll, I'll run it, I'll run its course quick. Um, and so just decided that I was going to relinquish control of my life and um, truly give my life to Christ. Um, so. so you prayed and asked Christ to come into your life. And I had, I had told Solon that when you do ask Christ to take over, open up your Bible in the middle. I'm thinking between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a blank page. That's the middle of the Bible, between the Old Testament and New Testament. He literally opened it up to the middle, and I said, write your prayer where you've asked Christ to forgive you of your disobedience, give you the free gift of eternal life, and make you the person God wants you to be. So, he did that that night, and, and we have a picture of the prayer. Solon, would you read that to us, please? Isn't that sure. sweet? Um, I feel prompted to share with you all that something that changed in my heart was this idea of the world that we live in that puts so much value on working out things. Um, you work out your own problems. If you want to be healthy, you go work out. Um, and realizing that I had to stop focusing on working out my problems before I could get in a right relationship with Christ and really just allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work um, was transformative. And so as I prayed this prayer, um, that was in pressing mind. on my heart mm -hmm. heavily. So um, I'd love to share the prayer, though. Um, if you'll bear with me and just forgive me because uh, the emotions of this time period in my life probably um, get more and more real every time I see it. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to the earth to die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sins and the sins of the world. Lord, I believe that you love me and have given to me the opportunity of eternal life, and I accept it today. Lord, make in me a new and renewed body that I may live for you. God, I accept you into my heart now and forever. I pray that you teach me how to love, teach me to live for you. Lord, I pray that you continue to teach me, provide vision, wisdom, and continue to breathe your grace on me. I love you, Lord, and accept you as my Father, humbly with love in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Strong, huh? Yeah, that's appropriate. That's appropriate. So, so the next day, all your problems are taken care of. You got it. It was like a free pass. It was great. No, um, I, I definitely went on a, on a, on a journey where there were still highs and lows, um, but there was hope in it because um, I You was began to devour Christ. the Word of God. Absolutely. I mean, he just, just like the 81-year-old lady, he started consuming the Scripture, and, and God's Spirit began to do something in you. It was like real relationships with people, right? The more and more that I longed for Him, the more and more I had to go to His Word to be with Him even more. Many of us began to see how your life was changing, but what about your family? That's, that's got you on the brink of just saying goodbye to everything. What happened there? I would share that, um, you know, the work wasn't immediately, uh, but there was evidence in that 
as the work continued to well up inside of me, and by the work, I mean the transformation that the Holy Spirit was doing in me, um, that it, it met capacity in me. Um, so it really had no choice but to continue to overflow. It wasn't going to stop, right? And so that transformative work that was happening inside of me began to happen around me and began to impact situations and circumstances and relationships around me. Um, and by way of truly surrendering my will, um, which has not always been an easy thing. Um, for no one. I decided that I needed to know better God's will for my life in regards to my marriage. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful for grace and forgiveness um, and, you know, went through what I would call a power week of prayer, begging uh, that God would show his will clearer and clearer and clearer. And every day it got clear. And I said, that's not enough. I need it to be bigger. I need to know for sure that this is your will. What is your will? And um, by the end of that week, my wife and I found ourselves in a place we hadn't been in in over a year together. We found ourselves in a place we had never been in, praying and reading scripture together all night long and uh, decided that God had a bigger plan and purpose for us. You guys were reconciled. Amen. Yes, yes. She's here this morning. Stephanie, stand up. Let's, uh, let's congratulate them. I got a text that Thanksgiving Sunday morning, and it said, and it was just before church started, I looked in my pocket real fast and said, do you have time after church to meet me and some special people for lunch? I told Debbie, I said, I, I bet it's his family. We met them for lunch. They started telling the story of their reconciliation. Their three daughters are here. They're in the children's classes. You think children are never paying attention. The middle one, Allie, was six, at, six years old at, at that lunch. I had her stand up in the first service. She's coloring away as Solon and Stephanie are saying, we fired the lawyers. We're reconciled. The little six-year-old never looked up. She said, I got my Christmas present early this year. Revival. It's, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. We, we always want to put ourselves first. We want to look good on the outside. But Holy Spirit, do whatever it takes in me. And, and Holy Spirit, do your work through me. Pastor asked, he said, he said, Bill, I'm going to do, give an invitation in the other service, I want you to give an invitation here in this service, that, that we as a church would invite the Holy Spirit, have your way in me, have your way in us, 
Now, with with a group this large, there may be some people that you're wonderful cultural Christian, but you've never crossed over into a personal relationship with God. You've never said, Lord Jesus, come into my life, my life. Well, just like Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, cross over and begin. Let the Holy Spirit begin this work of renewal in your life. But some of you may be like Solon was two years ago. You're struggling with depression. Your finances are falling apart. You may be thinking, life's not worth living. You need revival. You need to say, yes, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in my life, please, I step aside. You change me. Your families. I mean, this, this many people, you, you may only be in the arguing, fighting stage. That's not necessary. There's no such thing as marital problems. It's personal problems that manifest themselves in marriage. To deal with a marriage problem, you got to start with the personal issues and say, Holy Spirit, revive me. I need renewing. Or you may be like me, sitting in that seat, and the Holy Spirit's wanting not just do something in you, but do something through you. But what will they think? And we're afraid. Well, we may look silly. That's okay. Paul said, I'm a fool for Christ. Holy Spirit, if you're calling me to step up and go put my arm around somebody, here I am, just as I am. Because he's not looking for any great abilities. He's just looking for our availability. So this morning, I want to open the altar up for us. And like Philip, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, if He's prompting you, if He's stirring up inside of you, if He's guiding you, if He's leading you, whatever word works for you, if you know something's going on in here, like Philip, run. Get up. Come up here. And let's kneel before the Father God and say, Father God, have your way in me. Let revival in this church begin right now, right here with me for your glory. Let's stand together.